Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to Commanding the Huddle. I am your host, Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network. And today, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to take you on a trip around the NFC East, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Dallas Cowboys, and the New York Giants. We're going to look back to their success from last year and the additions and subtractions coming into this fall and what to expect from this rookie class and free agents that each of these teams added in their offseason, right? And we go into every single year. There isn't one team across football and really in any sport that is always the same from one year to the next. Whether you're picking first overall in the draft or whether you win the Super Bowl and you're the Kansas City Chiefs, there's always roster turnover, not just from a player's perspective and the guys that are suiting up, but the guys also on the sideline, guys that are the brain trust, the guys that are making the decisions as well on game day. So we're going to take you back and look at this. Look at these rosters across the NFC East, away from Washington, and what you guys can expect from again the rookie class from a lot of these teams. A lot of guys are going to have impacts for the Giants, the Eagles, and the Cowboys this fall, and of course the free agents that they've added to replace bodies that have left or traded or some other roster transaction that they're not no longer in town and. We're going to just start with how the standings were last year, guys, and that starts, of course, at the top with the Philadelphia Eagles, 14-3 and last fall, winners of the NFC East, winners of the NFC, and obviously lost to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in the Super Bowl, but a darn good ball game. But you look at this Eagles roster, and the first thing first that jumps out to me is the subtractions on the sidelines, and that is with, obviously, offensive coordinator Shane Sykin, now the head coach in Indianapolis with the Colts. And Jonathan Gannon, defensive coordinator, now the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, who Washington, of course, will host in week one to kick off their campaign. But look at this Eagles roster, and as far as guys that they lost, right, Miles Sanders, running back, is now in Carolina. They lost the NFL leader in interceptions last year in C.J. Gardner-Johnson. He is now elsewhere. Look at the middle of this defense, and this is where I really want to get into it in in just a few minutes. They lost T.J. Edwards at the middle of this defense, a guy that came over from Wisconsin and had to struggle to start his career, but especially in 2022, taking over green dot duties in the middle of that defense, he was excellent. Roaming hash to hash, filling gaps downhill, flipping those hips in coverage if you need it. TJ Edwards was a, a huge loss. He is now going to patrol the middle of the Chicago Bears defense, who of course Washington will see in prime time as he move forward into the middle parts of the early portions of the season. But this Eagles roster, guys, right now, you look at it as a whole, you look at it from a 10,000 foot view, or you try to peel the layers back, and they are the favorites right now for the NFC East, not just because of their record last year, but because of the core that they still have in place. Jalen Hurts, sparkling new contract, the headpiece of it all, right? Nick Sirianni, head coach, is obviously back in town for 2023 and probably for at least the years to come. You look at the guys that they added on the defensive side of the ball in the draft. Jalen Carter in the top 10. Nolan Smith, they grabbed from Georgia at the back end of day one. Keely Ringo, another kid out of Georgia. They got as a steal, potentially, early portions of day three. Sidney Brown, safety out of Illinois. They got him in the third round. Look, this this is a roster, again, the core pieces. The guys outside, A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith. 
You look on the defensive side of the ball. They brought back Fletcher Cox to be that veteran along that unit. Jordan Davis moving into year two. Josh Sweat, Hassan Reddick, Brandon Graham. All those guys are back. They are going to push the pocket from week one just like they did last year and going to make life hell for opposing quarterbacks. Now, they did lose Miles Sanders on offense. But I really don't see that as a humongous loss, ladies and gentlemen, because they brought in a guy by the name of DeAndre Swift, a local kid that actually went to St. Joe's Prep in Philadelphia. Now he's with the Eagles. Of course, another Georgia guy. We've heard a lot of the stuff this offseason as far as the Philadelphia Eagles are now the Georgia Bulldogs. A lot of resemblances of when Washington a couple years ago had all of those former Alabama Crimson Tide studs on that defense. But you just you look at the Eagles roster again. The guys on the outside are there. Dallas Goddard's going to be their tight end. DeAndre Swift, Kenny Gainwell, Rashad Penny's still there. For now, we will see if he stays. You know they like Boston Scott in that third back, third down back, hybrid role, special teams guy. All those guys are back. Everything I've heard from Philadelphia is that Kenny Gainwell is going to be their primary third down guy this year. A lot like he did last year, but more of a role moving into 2023. So you look at this Philly roster along the front five. The biggest loss, guys, is Isaac Sayamalu. He is now in Pittsburgh. So there are going to be some transitions within the guts of that front five. Cam Jurgens, kid that they drafted out of Nebraska back in 2022. Extremely athletic interior offensive lineman. Played mostly center for the Cornhuskers. He's now going to line up next to Landon Dickerson. Excuse me. He's going to line up next to Jason Kelsey at right guard off of Jason Kelsey's right hip. Another season for Jason Kelsey. When is the tire going to when are the tires going to finally fall off on Jason Kelsey? Who knows, but as long as he's playing, he's going to be one of the premier centers in the entire league and obviously the anchor of that front five led by offensive line coach Jeff Stoutland who is in my mind the premier offensive line coach in all of football. So that unit, again, Cam Jurgens is the new piece up front inside that front three, but Lane Johnson's back at right tackle. Jordan Mailata is out at left tackle. The same bookends for Jalen Hurts. Again, I mentioned this, the skill pieces. They're mostly the same except for the losses of Miles Sanders. You look at this Philly roster, added Olamide Zacchaeus to challenge Quez Watkins for some, from some snaps in the slot. Britton Covey is a guy that's going to continue to be their special teams guy. Maybe get some targets in the red zone as a a guy that has twitch as far as the intermediate portions of the offense. A smaller kid out of Utah that has had a heck of a career since he came over as a college free agent. Guys, last year, the Eagles from Utah back in 2022. So this Eagles roster, again, is the favorite right now in the NFC East, but it is on paper and they still have to go in and execute as we move into 2023. But this Eagles roster again is loaded. The additions that they made, especially on the defensive side of the ball with Jalen Carter, with Nolan Smith, Nolan Smith, guys, look, premier run defender in this class off the edge, despite being just 230 pounds. And that's what he's going to play at. It's really fantastic to see. It's really just an overwhelmingly impressive to see. But the thing with him is what, how is he going to improve as a pass rusher. Look at him coming out of high school, five-star recruit. Really just didn't progress as a pass rusher at Georgia. Crazy to say, right? We see these Georgia guys come out. They're just consistently unique in their pass rush repertoire. Nolan Smith has a long way to go as a pass rusher, but now he's going to be edge three behind Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat, potentially that DPR role, and then move into a potential third, three down defensive lineman, edge rusher for this Eagles front four is, again, impressive. The entire front seven is impressive because I mentioned TJ Edwards at the top. You move back to that second level. They brought in a guy like Nick Moreau from Chicago, veteran in this league, been around a while, understands what he's seeing, kind of switched spots 
with TJ Edwards, with TJ going to Chicago. And then you take a step back, step back, excuse me, to the secondary. Darius Slay, James Bradbury, they're both back. That was the big question heading into the offseason. Who's going to be back? Who's not going to be? You guys heard a lot of the talks. Was Darius Slay going to be traded? Was he not? Well, he is back. Same thing with Bradbury. Is he going to walk? Remember, he was on a one-year prove-it deal last year with the Eagles. Obviously, he proved himself. He is now going to start opposite of Darius Slay again this year. They still have to figure out the nickel spot. I'm not sure if they are comfortable with Zach McPherson or a guy like Avante Maddox, who you you guys know. He's an average corner at best in this league, and the nickel spot has become overwhelmingly important in the NFL. You saw, obviously, with Washington taking Quan Martin out of Illinois high, right, in the second round to be that nickel corner. There's no longer the days of just, ah, you're a nickel corner, you're a smaller guy, you got good feet, we'll just throw you in the nickel because you can't play outside. You have to have physical bodies and guys that can cover X receivers in the slot because teams want to get those free releases. So if I look at the secondary, the one question that I do have is that nickel and the safeties room where they do have guys like Terrell Edmonds, who's coming over from Pittsburgh to replace C.J. Gardner-Johnson. Reed Blankenship is going to start at the free. They loved him as a college free agent out of Middle Tennessee last year. And then again, I mentioned Sidney Brown, one of the more impressive young men in this class, a leader, extremely smart. IQ is off the charts in this class. Excellent down at the Senior Bowl. Think he's going to be excellent for Philadelphia for a long time. And then of course, Kayvon Wallace, who they took in the fourth round back in 2020, still that special teams core contributor as of right now. But that is the Philadelphia Eagles. We're going to move forward into the division and we're going to go with the team that finished second. And that of course is the Dallas Cowboys 12 and five team that finished eight and one last year at home at AT AT&T stadium. And of course got booted early rounds of the playoffs, a, a commonality for Dallas over the years. But you look at this roster, ladies and gentlemen, and they're from a 10,000-foot view, there hasn't been a ton of subtractions, but the additions that they made, especially with a couple of their rookies, with Mozzie Smith, their first-rounder that's going to come in and play the nose for them inside Dan Quinn's defense, and a guy like DeMarvian Overshone, who I know a lot of you out there were familiar with in his game. I talked about him on this pod. As far as what he's going to do as a versatile hybrid safety linebacker inside the second to deeper portions of the second level of the defense for this Cowboys unit. Again, Dan Quinn loves to throw exotic looks out. Micah Parsons is making the full-time switch down to defensive end, so he's going to be standing there in a two-point stance, three-point stance with his hand in the dirt, and just flat out getting after passes where we know he can be a potential defensive player of the year type of stud on the edge. But I want to start on offense, and of course, right, Dak Prescott is back. Ezekiel Elliott, obviously, No longer there. No longer in the Dallas Cowboys uniform. A guy that was primarily for me, ladies and gentlemen, Ezekiel Elliott was never an overwhelmingly impressive back. He was a guy that was a product of a dominant offensive line for especially the first two, three years of his career. And you look at his stats and look at his numbers and yards per carry, stars the years have gone on. They consistently decreased as the line got worse. And you do, as a running back, remember when the Giants took Saquon Barkley, number two overall, but what's the line that they had? Right? Sometimes guys are unique. Sometimes guys are unicorns of the position. Ezekiel Elliott was more of that downhill, physical type of back that where I'm not saying he wasn't a good ball player. Obviously, he was. But he was a byproduct a lot of the time with this offensive line. And as it got worse, he got worse. And as the tread in the tires continued to pile up, this is why we're sitting here in late May. And it tells you a lot from an NFL organizational perspective as far as adding guys. That Ezekiel Elliott, as of May 22nd, Monday, May 22nd, that he is still currently a free agent as teams get set for OTAs this week. So from there, look, you look at the running backs that are going to start. It's going to be Tony Pollard. We talked for a long time as far as 
It took a long time for Dallas to realize that Tony Pollard is a stud. Remember, they drafted him on day three back in 2019, similar almost to the path that Washington had with Montez Sweat. Took him a while ago. 2022 was a stud. Tony Pollard took him a while ago, was a stud in 2022. Now he's going to get the opportunity to be RB1 alongside a guy that they really like. And Malik Davis is a guy that's a college free agent last year. And a big physical back that I think is going to surprise some people this year. You guys are out there that are fantasy guys. I'm not a fantasy football guy. But as far as guys maybe look for sleepers and guys maybe add later on in the year, injuries, right, happen. Malik Davis is a guy that Dallas really likes in this offense. And, of course, they drafted Deuce Vaughn in the sixth round in the spring as a guy out of Kansas State, right? Pocket rocket Deuce Vaughn, really exciting young player, dominant at Kansas State at times, even though he is extremely small, guys. He is. He's 5'7". 5'8". Talk to Deuce. He was at our draft house in Kansas City. And I'm 5'9". And I was looking down a little bit at Deuce Vaughn. So I can't say that about a lot of players. I'm not 6'4", not 6'5". Not I'm 5'9". And for Deuce Vaughn, as far as just, look, football guys understand that we love seeing the smaller guys, right? The Boston Scots, even a guy like Jarrett Patterson in Washington over the years. But football is a big boy game. And interested to see kind of the usage that Deuce Vaughn has for this roster. If he makes the roster, is he a special teams guy right now? Is he a potentially guy in space that they want to utilize? We will see. But that is their running backs room. Obviously now with Ezekiel Elliott gone, you look along the front five, not a lot of changes. Your Tyron Smiths are still there. Tyler Smith, they drafted out of Tulsa last year, is going to play left guard. Zach Barton, same names, right? He's at right guard. Terrence Steele is going to line at right tackle and of course center is going to be Tyler Biadash, a guy that took on day three back in 2020 out of Wisconsin. They drafted a Sim Richards kid at the Senior Bowl on day three at North Carolina to be that swing guard if he has to be. Guy I really like that they drafted. I mentioned Marvin Overshore and Amazi Smith as guys on the defense. But Luke Schoonmaker is a guy they drafted in the second round, ladies and gentlemen, out of Michigan. Someone that really rose during this pre-draft process, was excellent out at the Shrine Bowl. That Michigan offense wasn't crazy, overwhelmingly impressive, led by J.J. McCarthy, a guy that know in the quarterback class this year. The weapons on the outside really didn't impress anybody, but it was the guys in the backfield and Blake Corum, named to know in the RB class in 2024, and Donovan Edwards, another name to know. They're going to be back as that one-two punch for this Wolverines offense. But Luke Schoonmaker, guys like Eric All, they had a freshman tight end, Colston Loveland, who's going to be a name to know as he moving to the 2025 NFL draft. These guys were mainly used outside, really inside the red area, as wide tight ends. So attached to the line of scrimmage and being used as offensive linemen and as blockers and displacing five techs and working up to the seven level, second level, excuse me, and, and sealing outside linebackers. That is what Luke Schoomaker did a lot at Michigan, but he's really untapped as far as his potential as a tight end. And Dallas lost Dalton Schultz. He is now in Houston to hopefully revitalize that offense, now led by C.J. Stroud, who Houston drafted in the top three picks this year. But Schoonmaker is now going to pair with a guy in Jake Ferguson, guy they drafted on day three last year out of Wisconsin that they really like. And that pair with Ferguson and Schoonmaker, and they also brought in Peyton Hendershot. He had a role last year out of Indiana as a UDFA. That's three guys that they like a lot. So this tight ends room by no means is going to have any hiccups moving into 2023. Guys that can play the Y, guys that can play the F. Schoonmaker's a little bit bigger than Ferguson. I think they do a lot of different things that, that play off of each other. And again, present sure hands over the middle of the field that we know Dak Prescott, any quarterback, will utilize, and especially his big targets inside the red zone. So from there, I want to switch over to the defensive side of the ball. You're going to be some of your same names along the defensive front. I talked about Ozzie Smith, but again, Demarcus Lawrence, 
and Micah Parsons, those are going to be your edge rushers off of each side. Osa Adigizua, guy they took out of UCLA back in 2021. Leighton Van Der Esch, Damone Clark, guy they took out of LSU last year on day three. I think he's now fully healthy. He should be a stud at the middle, middle portions of this Dallas defense. A guy at LSU that led the FBS in tackles a couple years ago. He's a really impressive young man and fully healthy. A guy I talked about, hopefully Washington looking at, back in the 2022 draft. He is now healthy after back surgery last year. Inside this middle of the Dallas defense, I think he's going to play extremely well off of Leighton Van Der Esch. St- Stephon Gilmore, they brought over from Indianapolis. So to give Trayvon Diggs, who, guys, you know the story with Trayvon Diggs. He is a turnstile when he is not picking off passes. So Stephon could be that CB1 for this Dallas defense. At the nickel, again, is Jordan Lewis. They didn't use a high pick on a corner this year. The only guy they drafted was Eric Scott late on day three. Donovan Wilson, Malik Hooker, Jaron Curse, Israel Mukwamu are guys. That's their safeties room. Israel can do some unique things. Long guy out of South Carolina a couple years ago. Made the transition from corners to safety inside Dan Quinn's defense. So a lot of the same names. Not a lot of picks for Dallas. They brought in a lot of college free agents. They even drafted and would be remiss if I did not mention Viliemi Fahoku, fourth rounder out of South, excuse me, San Jose State. Edge rusher that had some success out there for the Spartans this year. Twitchy, big, physical. Think of a poor man's Tuli Tuopolotu, if you will. Guy that is now with the Chargers. He'll be working, obviously, behind Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa. Now you look at Fahoku working behind Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence. That's a nice spot for him as a fourth-round pick and probably will be looked upon similar to how K.J. Henry will be looked upon as a day-three edge rusher, potential DPR, edge three, edge four in Washington. That's what Fahoku is going to be in Dallas. So that is the Dallas Cowboys. Of course, we will get more into both the the Eagles, Cowboys, and of course, the next team we're going to talk about is the New York Giants as we move forward into game previews during the week, dive into every single matchup, right? We're going to talk when these teams get finalized, guys, and teams get their final 53s, eight or nine man practice squads, right? We're going to dive into each matchup, offense, defense, where I think Washington can take advantage of Philadelphia, where Philadelphia or Dallas or New York can take advantage of Washington. We're going to really peel back the layers of these rosters once they become finalized and we're doing game previews. So something to look forward to as we move forward into the fall and when Washington really obviously gets into the year and prepares for these teams instead of as we sit here in May, months away from training camp, months away, of course, from the start of the season because these rosters will change. There will be injuries. There will be roster moves. This is this is a a rough draft of what these rosters could be, but a lot of the names, probably 85% of them, are going to be here on these rosters come September. So that is the Dallas Cowboys. And then finally, moving forward to the New York Giants, a team that did make the playoffs last year, went into Minnesota in the wildcard round and took Kirk Cousins and the Vikings behind the barn and whooped up on them, obviously, before losing in the divisional round. But a team that finished 9-7-1, and Finished five and three at home, four and four on the road, led by Brian Dayball. Was fantastic last year. They exceeded expectations, but ladies and gentlemen, I don't see them surprising anybody this year. Again, last year they came into the seasons season with expectations for Daniel Jones to where look, are you gonna be the guy or are you not gonna be the guy? Obviously, he is back. They did not draft a quarterback this year. He is back, he is their guy, as is Saquon Barkley. He is back as well. They drafted Eric Gray as a running back in round four. Five on day three out of Oklahoma, a guy I really like in this class, guy at the Senior Bowl that was fantastic. I think he's going to have a nice role. 
I don't see how Matt Breida is going to be RB2 in this offense with Eric Gray on this roster. Guys, Eric Gray could be a high-level RB2 sitting that JD McKissick role for this Giants offense. He's going to be a heck of an addition as a guy, again, in round five that they grabbed out of Oklahoma. Former highly recruited athlete out of high school, went to Tennessee, finished his career at Oklahoma. Really good ball player, and I really like the pick here from Joe Shane. But up front... They added John Michael Schmitz along this front five, a guy I know you guys were very familiar with in this draft process, a guy I've talked about in this draft as far as potential centers to replace the now free agent Chase Roulier, right? But Washington obviously drafted Ricky Stromberg, Nick Gates is in the building, they re-signed Tyler Larson, so that's three names that they obviously like. But John Michael Schmitz right now is going to be the anchor of this front five, a front five that is not going to change on the bookends, it's going to be Andrew Thomas protecting Daniel Jones' blind side, Evan Neal on the right side, Mark Lewinsky right guard, and Ben Bredesen at left guard. They didn't use any draft picks other than than JMS uh, in this draft to as far as depth. And like last year when they used picks on Josh Azudu and Marcus McKeithen, both out of North Carolina as depth pieces. Offense around, right? They, they drafted Jalen Hyatt, more speed on the outside. This receiving core, ladies and gentlemen, it's still average. It really is still average. They brought over Paris Campbell from the Indianapolis Colts. It never worked out for him in Indianapolis, but he's another miniature receiver on the outside. They have him, Sterling Shepard, Wondell Robinson. This it's very it's a very small, vertically challenged group, if you will, on the outside. It's a very small group. But Isaiah Hodgins has some size to him. Jalen Hyatt isn't the biggest guy in the world, but he's got some size to him. I'm just interested to see if he can actually run routes, guys. He was at Tennessee, and all they asked him to do was line up extremely wide in these this east-west offense for Josh Heupel, horizontal offense to where, look, we're going to spread you out, we're going to play on the numbers, and we're going to have you run nine routes and see if your corners can keep up with us. And if you don't want to move safeties out to the boundary and have them play high and give help over the top, then we got Hannon Hooker hit tight ends and hit guys over the middle of the field, and of course... They could hand it off as well last year for the Volunteers' offense is what made them so special with Hendon under center. But Jalen Hyatt in this New York offense is going to have a role again. But I want to see when guys, Manuel Forbes, Benjamin St. Just are in his face inside that contact window. Can he get off the line of scrimmage? Can he actually separate at the top of our route? How are his hands at the contact point, at the catch point, excuse me? I've seen him run 45 yards and have Hendon Hooker drop it in the bucket. But how is he going to be against NFL corners that want to be physical, that can run with him as well? How is he going to out-leverage people? How is he going to stack people? That is what I want to see from Jalen Hyatt because this is a guy that had first-round buzz, ladies and gentlemen. He went in the third round. So slipped a little bit, if you will. For me, he did not slip. This is where I expect him to go because he has a long way to go as a receiver to potentially be a top two or three target in an NFL offense. But that is what he's going to be for this Giants unit. At tight end, big addition was bringing over Darren Waller from the Las Vegas Raiders, a Raiders offense. Obviously, they had a lot of changes, right? Derek Carr is now not in Las Vegas. It's Jimmy Garoppolo. Derek Carr is now in New Orleans. Darren Waller and Daniel Bellinger, who they drafted out of San Diego State last year, would be a nice option as a Y, a blocking tight end. He was a premier blocker as a tight end last year's class. But Darren Waller is going to open up this offense over the middle portions because of the guys they have on the outside. They have to take attention off of the receivers that they do have because guys are just not going to move the needle and really scare any defense. We know what Darren Waller is. He's one of the top five tight ends in football. For some, he may be even top two, top three. Fantastic weapon. 
Great story, right? Started his career on the Baltimore Ravens practice squad, has become a premier tight end, got his money, now in a big market, coming from Las Vegas to New York. He's going to be pumped with targets, guys. So guys, when you look at this Washington defense, guys like Jamin Davis, Cody Barton, guys like Derek Forrest coming down to the box, Percy Butler a little bit, potentially Cam Curl. These are the guys that we're going to see over Darren Waller a ton. Are we going to have to put a corner on him? Who knows? May have to play a lot in nickel, bring another corner on the field. That's why you brought over a guy like Cameron Dantzler, long corner, highly touted out of Mississippi State, really didn't work out in Minnesota. Now he's in Washington to get an opportunity. Darren Waller is a guy that may force a team to bring another corner on the field, and I think he's going to have a heck of a season moving forward as well in this New York offense for Daniel Jones, not just as a sure sure set of hands, but a dominant red zone target and a guy that can get the ball in his hands and create yards after the catch as well. So that is their offense. Move to the defensive side of the ball where their premier pick in this class was Deontay Banks, corner out of Maryland, a guy you guys know that I loved in this class. Man zone, he's going to be excellent in Wink Martindale's aggressive, get in your face, blow your chin strap off at the line of scrimmage type of defense. He's going to pair well with Adoree Jackson, who's going to start opposite of him. But behind them, guys, their corners room is really, and secondary, is really underwhelming. Julian Love is now in Seattle. Their their nickel corners, Darnay Holmes, had a little bit of a down year last year as a fourth rounder back in 2020. Jason Pinnock, Xavier McKinney are their safeties. They drafted Javarius Owens late on day three out of Houston. He's most likely going to be a special teams contributor. But this defense really doesn't have a ton of changes outside of Deontay, who's going to start. The defensive front, you guys know the names. Leonard Williams, Dexter Lawrence, Aziz Ojolari, Kayvon Thibodeau. That's your core four. Very similar to the core four in Philadelphia. And obviously with Washington, with Deron, John, Chase, and Montez. You take a step back. They brought over Bobby Okariki from Indianapolis, a guy that Washington had a ton of interest in in this pre-draft process. But this is the Giants' defense. Really, guys, there's not a lot of changes. There's just not. They drafted a couple guys again in the secondary to various Orleans, Trey, Trey Hawkins, a kid out of ODU. But there's really not a ton of who's here, who's there, who's plugging in now, draft picks. Right, it, There's not really a lot of changes, especially within this front seven to where the guys that they did brought in were college free agents that are going to be battling for practice squad spots and potentially rotational depth pieces at the back end of the roster if injuries were to occur. And we know that right, football injuries just are a part of it. But guys like Habakkuk Baldonado, guy that brought over from Pittsburgh, Jordan Riley, the guy that drafted in round seven. This is not, guys, this is not going to affect the core guys that they have along this defensive front. So that is the New York Giants, the Philadelphia Eagles, the Dallas Cowboys. A little bit of a rough draft look at these teams, but a trip around the NFC East and how each of these rookies as well, where I see them fitting in from a role perspective moving into 2023. Obviously, the headlining names are first-rounders in this division. You look at Dallas, right? It's going to be Mozzie Smith and DeMarvin Overshone. In New York, it's a corner in Deontay Banks, right? He's going to face Jahan Dotson. He's going to face Terry McLaurin, Curtis Samuel. And of course, in Philadelphia with Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith, guys along that front four. We know Howie Roseman loves to get guys that attack the passer. They're going to get after the passer and they're going to be on the field week three when Washington faces off against the Philadelphia Eagles in Philadelphia. So, That is the division, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you guys enjoyed. If you did, please leave a like, review, share, subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. If you don't, follow me already on Twitter, underscore Ryan Fowler. More audio and video content is at thedraftnetwork.com. I greatly always appreciate 
you guys this time. Hope you guys enjoy the week. We got OTAs kicking off tomorrow, Tuesday, May 23rd in Ashburn. Guys, we're just a couple months away from training camp. I will be down in training camp this year in Ashburn. Hopefully see a lot of you guys out there. And then, of course, the season coming up. Guys, this roster is starting to get finalized. We'll talk more about Washington as we move into next week. We'll have a recap of OTAs. Obviously, moving into, we're going to see rookies and the vets. Vets and the rookies. Look, guys that are depth pieces, guys that are core players, of the contributors on this roster. We're going to see some Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson versus Emmanuel Forbes. I know you guys are interested to see that. We're going to see some KJ Henry, Andre Jones off the edge. Chris Rodriguez working with B-Rob and Antonio Gibson. Quan Martin working at nickel with Kendall Fuller, Benjamin St. Juice, and of course, Manuel Forbes. Guys, I'm excited. I know you guys are too. Football is right around the corner. Starting to get warm outside. We're consistently in the 70s and the 80s. It's football weather. It's almost summertime. I know you guys are as pumped up as I am, finally get these guys strapped up. We can play ball, not to see them on paper in a depth chart, but we can actually get them cracking pads. So appreciate you guys as always. I'll talk to you next Monday. I'm Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network, and this is Commanding the Huddle. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.